Tune in to the Echo Box. You're listening to the first live episode of Talk That Science here on Echovox Radio. I'm Nikki. And I'm Nicoline. And together we host Talk That Science, a talk show in which we invite students and researchers to open up a discussion about the most pressing questions in science. We play some nice tunes and introduce you to the coolest research. So yeah, today we will kind of introduce you to the, the people and the story behind Talk That Science, right? Yes, and uh, also we will talk about our uh, own scientific interests. Yeah, so yeah, we hope you'll enjoy this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's the first time that we do this live now, but we, we have our own podcast online now for over a year. Uh, so you can also find us like on Spotify and Apple and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yes, um, to listen to the previous uh, episodes. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, let's now go a bit into the history of, uh, of Talk That Science Mm -hmm. So, Nico, maybe you can uh, explain a bit, since you kind of started this all, uh, explain how we started the podcast. Yes, um, so um, I think it all started when I was listening a lot to this podcast called Onbeherde Apen. It's a podcast of uh, NRC, it's a Dutch newspaper. Uh, it's a science podcast and I was always listening to it while running. Uh, and I think it was during that period that I got the idea of uh, I really want to get involved into science podcasts as well. And first I had this idea of sending them an email. Uh, but then actually I met uh, Ozzy and uh, Daniel and uh, uh, they, uh, the people who currently run uh, Radio Tempo Nao Para. And they uh, also were, were running around with this idea. Uh, so yes, um, then we combined our forces and set up this uh, this podcast actually uh, and uh, uh, we got help of the Student Impact Center of the University of Amsterdam. It's a, it's a center that funds uh, ideas that uh, encourage social engagement and uh, like that increase the relationship of the neighborhood and the university. Um, so that's how we started. Yeah, I think that, that the fact that you just got a little bit of funding also just helped you to kind of yeah actually get started right and get your own equipment and yes. get a studio and stuff like that indeed yeah yeah, yeah that's really nice and after uh, a few months you joined right yeah <laughs> so how did that come about yeah i don't i was i was super happy that i mean we already knew each other for quite a while because we we both uh, we both studied philosophy in our bachelors and um yeah i think just as you are i i'm also always like super i have very wide interest i just love like everything that relates to science so i i was also kind of thinking of this idea that i would like to do something like this science podcast and then you actually came up to me and said that you were starting one so i was very happy and then i yeah i was just super happy that i could help yes uh, cool. yeah <laughs> yeah really nice and and yeah, so you started this out with Ozzy, right? Mm -hmm. And you also, or like Ozzy mainly is focusing on that now, uh, started this um, school project. 
Yes, indeed. So next to the next to the podcast series, we are also working on another idea. So in the usual podcast, what we do is we invite a researcher or uh, we invite some students. And then, uh, well, until now, it was always me or you or the two of us interviewing them. Um, but what we want with the school project uh, is that uh, we let high school students actually interview researchers. Uh, and in this way, we actually hope to increase the amount of students with a non-Western background, uh, and especially in what is called STEM, so that stands for science, technology, engineering, and math, uh, because especially there, uh, uh, there are less people of, uh, with a non-Western background. Yeah, and less women as well. <laughs> yes, less women as well. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a coming episode. <laughs> yes, indeed. But the, like, we want to make one episode about like the gender and, and race bias that exists in STEM especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think this school project is really cool and because um, yeah, people like me, or at least I went to a very privileged high school, if you can put it that way, in Amsterdam, like a gymnasium. So I always felt very like welcome in science, and um, you know many many people in my family uh, went or like pursued um, careers in academia. So it's yeah, I always felt very welcome. But it is of course very different for other people, and um, yeah, we also hope I guess with the podcast in general that we can just you know make <laughs> make science feel attractive to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes, so it's the on the school project currently. Uh, Ozzy and Deborah are working, and uh, uh, apart from that, also uh, yeah, over the coming months, more and more people joined the podcast. So we also have uh, Jana and Miriam who are in the editorial team. And a few weeks ago, Jana actually did her first interview. It will be released soon. Yes, yeah, and nice. uh, and we have Patrick who works on editing uh, the podcasts. Yeah, so we're with quite a big group, even though it's just us doing this radio show. There's like a whole team yes. behind us. Yes, <laughs> we're all together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so for the future, we also have an event planned, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because we really want, that's also why uh, we like so much to be here on Echo Box Radio. Uh, because we hope to increase uh, to... to um, yeah, to interact with our guests. Yeah. And, uh, well, here on being on Echobox Live is one of the things. Uh, so also, yeah, if you wanna, have a qu- if you have a question, then please put it in the chat. Uh, but also with this uh, live events, uh, so one we have planned on, it's called the Philosophical Festival Drift. It's in September. I don't remember the exact date. It's the twenty fifth, I oh, think. Okay. <laughs> Good. And then we will do like a live interview um, about uh, like the science of fake news. Yeah. Yeah, super excited for this. Yeah, so um, maybe we can start our first tune that we play. Because, yes. Yeah, we're also a music podcast. Yes, so we will play, uh, it's called uh, The Facts from Sada Bonaire. And um, we thought it was a very suitable song because, yeah, what is science about? It's all about facts. <laughs> yes.
Okay, so um, we thought it was nice to uh, to discuss the previous episodes and uh, what they were about and what our favorite ones were. So um, yeah, to give you some idea, we had uh, we discussed a broad range of topics like um, musicality and animals, um, uh, plastics, uh, evolutionary robotics. Um, so yeah, I was curious actually, Nikki, what was uh, what was your favorite episode so far? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a nice question to kind of reflect a bit on everything we did. And um, yeah, I think that uh, one episode that I really liked was the one uh, that we released about drugs, about the influence of recreational drugs, specifically like MDMA and cannabis on our brain. Because I think that, well, a lot of people, uh, you know, use it sometime or another in their life. And So it really has consequences for us. And I think a lot of people are also interested in what it really does to the brain. And I think that there are also like some some urban myths about it and a lot of still unknown as well. But yeah, so what I like is that we just dove into this um, into this topic. And it was we had a we had one student who, who finished a master's in brain and cognitive science i believe mm -hmm. sebastian and then we had uh, kind of a whole different perspective from someone he was an art student olivier and he he uh, yeah he used he used cannabis a lot during his life already from a young age so he was kind of giving this other perspective yeah he, because he had a uh He had why, he had a reason, right? He had AD, ADHD. Yeah, indeed, yeah. like an attention disorder, yes, indeed. Know. So he he kind of used cannabis to self-medicate. So he he yeah he had he had the idea that it it helped him to focus. And so we talked about this, and then we asked Sebastian like, oh, can this really be the case? And yeah, I I really like this uh, mm -hmm. this episode. Yeah, what I remember in particular about that episode that really. Uh, Uh, struck to me was that uh, apparently Sebastian told that MDMA uh, was used for post-traumatic stress uh, disorders. Uh, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and and I think that maybe some people have indeed seen the, read this on Vice or that were some like like yeah that that indeed we use um, we use recreational drugs also as a therapeutic drug. But it was really nice to then hear how this actually works. So indeed you. Um, it's not like you microdose it for a very long time or something, but the the soldiers who had the PTSD they were they were given um, like four sessions or something like this, I believe, mm -hmm. um, with a psychiatrist, and then they 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 took a dose of MDMA during that session, and then they um, yeah they for some reason they they felt very uh, open to talk and they were able to work through more problems yeah yeah this was not even that they have to had to ask specific questions they just naturally start to talk about it yeah i think it's it's good because um around drugs there is there can be some stigmas uh, i mean especially when it comes to using them as medicines um so i think it's good to talk about that yeah yeah, yeah true And what about you? Which one did you pick as your favorite one? Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> um, but uh, I, what I do remember that really changed my perspective on something in my daily life was uh, it was the second episode about black holes in which I interviewed Sarah Markov. Um, and well, I think all of you have heard of black holes um, and we all know that they suck up a lot of matter. Um, Uh, but what I did not know is that black holes even suck up time. So not just physical things, also time. 
Um, and it works roughly as follows. So black holes absorb a lot of matter. And because of that, they get very heavy. Um, and the thing is that uh, weight influences uh, uh, time. Uh, namely, it kind of curves space. <laughs> and that sounds maybe very weird, but that is actually what is gravity, what we also just have here on Earth. Uh, and then because the, the, the space is curved, it takes longer to travel. Um, and well, when I heard that, I, I was like mind blown. Like, what? How crazy that like space can be bent and then time can actually change how fast it goes. Yeah. Isn't it also the case that when, um, like, when you're further away from the Earth, time travels? Mm -hmm. I always confuse if it takes less time or more time, but because of, because of the weight of the Earth, it affects basically how long or like how fast time goes by. Yeah, yeah, indeed. You can indeed, you can even measure this. I think in satellites they uh, they have clocks, and then they measure whether indeed it's either slower or faster. Yeah. I also forget it. <laughs> we should check it though. I will put it in the chat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I was really when I learned it, and then you think about it, it's like, huh, what does this mean for time? For example, like is it something we humans came up with, or is it something out there? Uh, I find these things super interesting. Yeah. And actually, you uh, you made a podcast episode later about relativity of time. Did you also discuss this, or was it a bit different? Yeah, and yeah, indeed. Um, we that was uh, indeed a, also an episode about time specifically. So we uh, there was also a philosopher there. So we were also talking about what how we define time. And uh, but yeah, we indeed also talked about how um, traveling fast affects. Or like if you're if you're in a in a rocket ship, for example, then then this will affect how fast the time inside the rocket ship goes by because you're traveling through space time, and indeed also gravity can affect this. But indeed, when you talk about the relativity of time, it's often focused on the fact that when you when you travel at high speed, um, time passes slower. I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I I find yeah this is like really what I like. I love I love physics and philosophy of physics. So. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you mm -hmm. on this. And then another another uh, topic that uh, really caught my interest was the one about evolutionary robotics that I mentioned earlier. Uh, so what it what it does uh, is it lets evolution design robots um, that are then perfectly adapted to a certain environment. So like you have just human evolution or not human? I mean just. Um, all animals have undergone evolution uh, and there are two basic uh, things uh, and it's reproduction and selection of the fittest and what this researcher Gusti Ibn did was he uh, thought like okay how can I put this in a robot um, so how can robots get babies and how can we select uh, which robots should survive so to say uh, and I think it's just it sounds at the same time. It sounds as a very simple idea. Like, yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, and then, like, actually doing it—that's uh, what I really like about science. I think there are some people out there just having some idea, and then they're like, "Yeah, what if I just do it?" And he did it. And I think it was around 2016 that the first robot baby was born. Um, and now, uh, yeah, there have, has been some more robot babies. And uh, the cool thing is that in this way, we can uh, design robots for very specific environments like seabed mining or they can clean nuclear power plants. Uh, so places where humans cannot go to, these robots can. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, because what was the idea again? You had these, so you have uh, like an embodied 
robot. So there was, or how do you say, an embodied AI. So there's a robot which yes. has like an, an algorithm that, uh, so that it's programmed mm-hmm. to do certain things. And then they could, like two robots could actually meet, right? And then, and then in some way combine their codes or something? Yes, yes. So they both run on a certain uh, program. Um, I don't know exactly how they get got babies, but uh, <laughs> yeah, indeed, they could exchange their program and the new program that the baby robot would run on would be a combination of the parent robots, of course, with some mutations, what we also have yeah. uh, in... Otherwise, uh, you don't get a new thing, right? Indeed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you want some spontaneous mutations because in this way you spontaneously find out what actually works in the environment. Yeah, also kind of scary idea that <laughs> there would be robots evolving, designing more dangerous robots. Yeah, yeah, no, but actually you, the Gusti really thought about this and uh, I think, yeah, you should listen to the podcast. Yeah. So it's really not scary, like... No, no, it's not scary. He, he always made sure that you can stop this process. So these babies, they cannot be born independently. They are only uh, can be born using a 3D printer. And at yeah. any point, you can stop the process. Yeah, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Oh, I also remembered that what I wanted to say is what I liked about the, the podcast that we did about um, sustainability. So we had a few. We had one about bioplastic, one... Um, about circular design, so designing products that we can use for longer. Uh, what I really liked about these is that, um, yeah, that we are also looking for ways to take more action. So we also ask the researchers and the people who know a lot about this, like, what can we do to buy circular products or to make sure that we like recycle plastics in the right way? So yeah, that's also really nice to listen back to. Yeah, you know, thinking about that, I remember what I learned from this plastic episode thing and making it applicable. So my dad, he uh, is also very oh, yeah. much into plastic. And um, at some point he had this bioplastics. Uh, he got it from a restaurant or something. And he thought, okay, I'm going to experiment myself. I'm going to bury this in the garden and see if it's gone in a year. Because that's supposed what... Yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah. Oh, bioplastic, then it will degrade everywhere. Yes. So after one year, he, he dug up uh, the plastic, but it was still there. So he thought, well, this is nonsense. What is this kind of bioplastic? It's fake, maybe. Uh, but then when I, I pointed this out to uh, Maria, who I then interviewed, and then she said, no, no, you actually have a lot of different kinds of bioplastics and some uh only degrade on a very high temperature so there are many kinds and you can actually find this on the packaging so it's good to know that you cannot just bury any kind of bioplastic in nature yeah indeed and yeah and like like your dad like a lot of people just don't know certain things so mm-hmm. yeah it's good that we ask the scientists mm-hmm. i think uh, we can go to the to the next song yep uh it will be uh Argonaut from Floating Points. Um, I think it's a nice song, both because we played it in our very first podcast episode, so also nice to play it in the very first live episode now. And what's also actually nice to know is that Floating Points himself is also a scientist. He uh, he did a PhD in neuroscience. So here we go. Thank you. 
Thank you.
So in the in the next part of our show, we want to um, discuss kind of our views of why we think that science in general is is important and um, why we love to do this podcast and why we think that it is important to to um, yeah kind of fill up this gap between academia and the rest of society um, because yeah that's one of the first things I guess that we that we see is that some yeah that that people feel kind of distance to science for example things like like AI can be can be so complicated and mysterious uh, and I hear people in my in my environment tell me that you know they they find it quite scary actually just well mostly because they also don't get exactly what it is and um yeah just like what you said when i explained evolutionary robots you're like ah yeah. it's scary that they get babies uh, i think yeah much of this uh the fact that people are scared comes from the fact that people just don't know how it works and i think it's very natural to be scared of things you don't know yeah how and, yeah how it works yeah yeah indeed and ai i mean it has many con like a lot of important consequences for us it's only logical that people can be scared of it but th yeah that's also why it's just as important to um to tell people how it works mm -hmm. um yeah yeah i think so that they are less scared but also so that they uh so that everyone feels they can partake in it actually so for i think a nice example was this show uh we discussed earlier on drugs and i think it was super nice that we invited both this uh person that studied neuroscience but also this uh uh olivier right uh, mm -hmm. yeah who had his attention disorder and he um was more an experienced user and i think it's nice that they can learn from each other yeah agreed yeah definitely and i mean the scientists should also know what what happens in society and what people find important and get inspired by by people in society and and what what also i think is is really important is that i mean recently there's been this discussion uh, which was focused specifically on humanities but about where like how much money uh, should we should the taxpayer um, spend indirectly on science? And I think, especially with humanities, there's a whole discussion about is this really important for for everyone? And I think that if yeah, if there's more communication from science to the public, that it becomes more clear what actually happens in academia and why it is super interesting <laughs> and exciting, and not not just that oh it it. Um, you know the fact that science will create new technological opportunities but also just getting to know the truth and and getting inspired and mm -hmm. yes yes because other than that it's important i think it's also just super nice yeah <laughs> at least i really like it that's why that's of course why we're here not only because it's so important but because i really like it like i don't know i think just many people have this or is kind of what this distinguishes humans is that we are just so curious and that's i think the the motor of science our curiosity we just want to know how everything works regardless of whether it's going to pay off or not i mean think about all the the space explorations like it's not going to change our lives if we find out whether there's water on mars or some, yeah. something like that but we just want to know and i think that's the case with many things in science the thing i also just explained about time it's not going to change our lives but i think it's just super cool to know yeah yeah definitely i agree and and what i think is also then maybe specific to uh, to science is that 
you do there is this scientific method like you try to be objective and i think that especially in uh, these these days that there are a lot of people who believe in conspiracy theories and there is uh, fake news being spread on social media like people don't fact check what they share they just they just see a video and they just share it and i mean it doesn't necessarily relate to science all of it but yeah i think that the scientific method itself is also important to become familiar with and um and also the fact that um when it comes to climate change that there are people who want to deny that it's actually happening you know that type of stuff i think it's really to con to how do you say to yeah just to kind of attempt to spread the mm -hmm. truth <laughs> yeah 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 i do think it's it is related to science i think in yeah in some parts of the society maybe because if you feel distance then you also lose um your belief in it so yeah 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 so. yeah definitely mm -hmm. did you have anything else we what you think is important hmm. to discuss Mm, no, I think that's that. These are reasons. Ah, uh, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe one thing like the what I also think maybe is specific to the podcast is that um, that we try to also bring together people from different disciplines, right? So, mm, like we want to invite, for example, a physicist, but uh, sit them next to a philosopher, so that they can learn from each other's uh, background and each other's knowledge and yeah i think that's also really beautiful like when you kind of share the different perspectives on things and also with people from outside science but mm -hmm. yeah 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 that's true because that's actually quite rare like whenever you're in a yeah. discipline it didn't it was not used to be like that so if you look at scientists from from i don't know 500 years ago there were always everything they were like mathematician and philosopher and and physicist and blah 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 yeah um but nowadays everyone is just in their department specialized in a super super specific topic and um yeah i think some some a lot of scientists tend and tend to stay in their discipline yeah um, you just get lost in the details yes yeah. very much very much so it, it's nice to to combine uh different perspectives on the topic yeah yeah okay i think we can already uh play play our next tune mm -hmm. yes so it will be uh rocket science of joyce rice nice It's actually a different one. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's <laughs> it's scientists from Fortet. <laughs> Little mistake.
So um, yeah, we mentioned earlier that we met each other at the uh, at the University of Amsterdam studying philosophy, and now we're actually also doing the same masters. We're doing <laughs> uh, logic, <laughs> um, and well, that's quite a rare rare thing to specialize in. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think many people are a bit confused when you tell them you study logic. It's like, do you do logistics? Yeah. Like, are you? thinking how to ship things well that's not what it is no no how would you explain it mm, what i usually say that logic is about making models of the world so meaning you kind of make super precise um all the assumptions um so you pick a scenario and you make super precise like okay we have this we have this we have this and then the logic is like yeah with logic or reasoning you kind of deduce what you can conclude from that um, that's more or less how I would explain it. And then I think the nice thing is that you can uh, apply this to anything. You can just pick anything in the world and you make a model of it um, and you're going to make it precise. So you can apply it to um, neuroscience even. You can apply it to um, social choice. We'll talk about that later. You can apply it to causality, anything. Yeah. Yeah, and I especially need. I would also s s describe it that way, like um, that logic is this set of rules of inference. So this, these kind of arguments that we think people are allowed to make in general when it comes to scientific inquiry, or for example, when it comes to math, logic would also uh, can be considered the basis of math because it's it says. Um, how yeah how you can prove certain things what inferences or consequence relations there are between truths um so yeah yeah it's kind of this set of rules for it and i guess that's why also it has so many applications because it's just about logical thinking like and about uh and it i guess it's also used in ai um so it has so many so many applications mm -hmm, indeed yeah and for that reason I think we also we both specialize in very different things. So yeah. you would not guess we do study the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, maybe you want to tell the people a bit about what you are interested in now, what you're focusing on. Yeah. So I'm focusing mainly on uh, what is called social choice theory, um, and that's actually the yeah study of collective uh, decisions of groups of individuals, um, and. Yeah, I think what is what I find super interesting about is that depending on the conditions, group can, groups of people can be both much smarter as well as much more stupid in comparison to the individuals that compose them. And I think it's very nice to, um, yeah, to study these uh, conditions. And one example uh, that illustrates it very well, I think, is called uh, it's a classic result in social choice theory. It's the Condorcet jury theorem. Um, so uh, I think it was discovered after uh, a scenario that uh, that took place in 1907. Uh, there was a competition in France, uh, and people had to guess the weight of an ox. Um, and they asked around 800 people, like, "How much do you think this ox weighs?" Um, and uh, well, all these people did a guess, and. Um, well, some people maybe guess 200 kilograms, others 2,000. So it can be super wild. Uh, people individually are not so good at guessing. But the thing is, the groups of people are super good at guessing. Um, because when they took the mean of all the guesses, it was 543 kilos. Almost exactly <laughs> corresponding to the true weight 
uh, which was 543.4. So they were like half a kilos close to the through weight of an ox. That's crazy. Yes. And the thing is, this is not a this is not a coincidence. So this Condorcet jury theorem actually proves um, that I- under certain conditions, uh, the majority of a group is uh, more likely to get it right than wrong. Um, and uh, yeah, it has. I think it has many applications, and there are many examples. It also has a name, right? This phenomenon. This is like the wisdom yeah, of the crowd, yes. or something. Yeah, wisdom of the crowds is uh, indeed what you call when uh, yeah. yeah you look at when groups are smarter. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and yeah. So there, on the internet, there are, uh, because of this uh, theorem, there are uh, websites set up. Um, one is called metaculus.com and you can also look up the Good Judgment Project and um, on any kind of topics uh, they daily ask people to give their estimate and then they take the mean of it uh, and in that way they predict all sorts of things and it turns out that this is yeah one of the best ways to predict events in the future. Oh well, so it's actually used as a tool Yes. So when when it's something is unknown, mm-hmm. they would use this to yeah, find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually ah. do it, and there are other things as well. So, for example, in uh, uh, medical experts also use it uh, when they need to uh, see uh, disease activity on images, um, and like they don't know uh, whether there is a disease or not. So they ask several people, and then they kind of take the average of their opinion. Um, and also other examples. So once uh, a submarine got lost, um, it disappeared. Uh, it was called the Scorpion Submarine in 1968. Um, and what they did, they asked a group of experts, like, where do you think it is? Just give an estimate. And then again, they took like the average of all their estimates. And guess what? They found back the <laughs> submarine. So yeah, it's used a lot. And I think it's just, I think it's just crazy yeah. that, that this happens. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But but how? So this is like one part of social choice theory. But how would you say that logic kind of comes back in all of this? Mm, well, the Condorcet jury theorem uh, is it's a mathematical theorem actually. Mm-hmm. So I, I explained it now in words. But you, if you really want to prove it, you make it precise, and there are super precise oh. uh, uh, conditions under which it holds. So in for the proof you need like infinitely many people and they need to uh, vote independently of each other and they yeah. uh, also need uh, a probability of more than 50% to get it right so there comes in the logic so if you actually want to prove it for certain um, you, you need have, some assumptions Yeah, you make these assumptions, you make this precise but then yeah I think it's interesting to see because of course in the real world you don't know how precise things are but it definitely gives an indication yeah Um, Didn't we also have this episode with Ulla? Yes. Um, that was also computational social choice, yeah, right? Indeed, indeed. What was, do you remember? Yeah, it was about um, about voting mainly yeah. and uh, democracy, like yeah. um, how to use also computer science uh, for democracy. Yes. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so, and uh, can you tell me, like, what is it that you are uh, mainly fascinated <laughs> about? Yeah, so indeed what I am interested in now is very different. Um, but I I really love philosophy of physics, so the stuff we also talked about before, thinking about um, what things like time, what they what they really are. And But you can also th- like take any other concept in physics, like matter, energy. Um, these are all mathematical notions, but you, yeah, it, the philosophy behind it kind of... Um, allows you to interpret what is really going on 
And um, what I specifically like is is looking at uh, quantum mechanics, because um, quantum mechanics is is um, is one of the one of the fundamental theories in physics now, but it seems to have so many puzzling consequences. And even though mathematicians agree that this is the the true the true theory that we should use. Um, they they re- they disagree completely about what it means, um, and yeah, one of one of the kind of things in quantum mechanics is that when um, when you do a measurement on a quantum particle, it seems that before you measure, this particle is um, is in a superposition. It's what it called between between two states. So normally, you always say something is, for example, either inside the box or outside the box. But in quantum mechanics, it seems to be the case that things can be both in and outside the box at the same time. And this also really um, goes against the traditional logical rules, which say something is either one or the other. It's either one or zero. So this, yeah, here it also relates to logic a bit. Um, But yeah, so in philosophy of quantum mechanics, you really go and think about what this means. And of course, you need to look at the physics behind it. Um, So... I need to learn a lot of physics on the side because I never did a degree in it. But yeah, I, I love it so much. And um, I also recently, um, uh, recent or like coming very soon, a paper is going to be published of mine for the first time in philosophy of so quantum cool. mechanics. Yeah. yeah, I was so excited when I heard. Um, uh, yeah, so it's really nice. And what about your future, your you also have nice news, right? Yeah, yeah. About one month ago, I uh, got accepted for a PhD. Uh, so I will work on uh, models of group deliberation at the Erasmus University of uh, Rotterdam. Um, yeah, very exciting. Yes, yes. So I will stay in science for uh, another while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, well... Thanks a lot for listening. I mean, this brings us towards the end of the show already. Yes, thanks a lot uh, for, for listening. And uh, well, remember that we would always love to uh, engage with you. So please always feel free to ask us a question in the chat or do a suggestion for our next topic or speaker. And uh, I mean, when the chat is off, you can reach us on Instagram as well. Um, or even if you yourself would like to come as a speaker, always happy yeah, to, to, uh, definitely. S- to chat with you. Um, so yeah we're looking f- really looking forward to the next episode and we will play uh, a final song it's uh, it's Disco Science <laughs> from uh, Ventolin uh, and uh, again a fun fact is that he uh, Ventolin is also a scientist he works at the Charles University in Poland and he is specialized in psychology and education yeah and I should mention that I got this tip from a friend of mine JD shout out yes, to you thank you <laughs> thanks bye 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 we played the song that we wanted to play previous time so it's rocket science of joyce rice we will keep uh, disco science from fentolin for the next time bye bye